What's up, listeners? My name's Tyler, and you're listening to Horror Is Home Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about the new Netflix original, There's Someone Inside Your House, based off of the book by Stephanie Perkins. I listed this film in one of my previous episodes, Five Slashers You May Not Know, so give that a listen if you haven't already. The graduating class of Osborne High is being targeted by a masked assailant, intent on exposing the darkest secret of each victim. McConney is surrounded by gruesome murders of her classmates as the killer wears a copy of the students' own faces during each attack, making them face the truth to their own wrongs. The film was directed by Patrick Bryce, who also wrote and directed Creep and Creep 2. This film is produced by James Wan, who is behind Insidious, Saw, and The Conjuring Universe. Also produced by Sean Levy, who is one of the creators of Stranger Things. Our main character, McConney, is played by Sidney Park, who has played recurring characters on Santa Clarita Diet and The Walking Dead. Before I get started with spoilers, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll go into the plot. starts with Jackson arriving home. His parents are out of town. After his phone call, Jackson takes a nap, but he oversleeps, waking up while it's now dark outside. He gets up in a rush to find that his truck is gone. Coming back inside to call 911, he finds a trail of pictures throughout his home. In the pictures can be seen a hazing incident possibly gone wrong. The trail leads into the closet where a masked assailant attacks Jackson, slashing his heels. The mask is mimicked after Jackson's own face, and the attacker stabs him in the chest. Afterwards, a video is sent out of Jackson beating up his classmate Caleb, which is what the pictures were taken of. Jackson's secret has been revealed and the whole school is now aware of it. People believe that Caleb was beaten up because he was gay. Caleb never reported the incident and now he is even more embarrassed to face the entire school, which would pass judgment on his sexuality. The other students who are looking for someone to blame believe Caleb hired a killer because he was at the football game at the time of the tragedy. At school, we meet our main group of characters, McConney, Alex, Zach, Rodrigo, and Darby. The friends reflect on their own secrets and a hypothetical fear that a killer would attempt to expose them. It is revealed to us that McConney was secretly seeing another student, Ollie, who her friends have labeled a sociopath. Before bed, she is looking at photos of the two of them and receives a text from Ollie saying, you can't ignore me forever. McConney has a dream that evening of a fire and hears a sentence, Jasmine, what's your name? McConney awakes. Thinking her grandma is sleepwalking, the front door is open and the kitchen is a mess with dishes stacked all over the tables and potting soil in the oven. The next day, class president Katie is in church preparing for Jackson's memorial. A voice recording is heard over the speakers of Katie saying offensive hate speech about different groups of people. The church doors are locked and she sees a hooded individual wearing a mask of her face. The killer slashes Katie's stomach and she tries to hide, crawling under the rows of benches into the confession booth. The attacker stabs through the back of the booth, leaving the blade, but then from the other side breaks through and pushes Katie's face onto it. The police become more involved and question the students. Zach leaves the station to see his dad waiting for him, who shows frustrations towards his son. He also makes a remark about Zach's truck that was damaged by other students who don't approve of his father's business and land takeovers, blaming Zach for not taking care of it yet. The friend group suspects Ollie for his antisocial behavior. Connie leaves the station with Ollie, and the two are out during the curfew. 
They have an intimate moment before going to Zack's secret party. As they get there, the couple separates, McConaughey leaving Ollie for her friends. Zack has a speech, pulls out a gun, scaring everyone just to show that it is a gun meant for smoking. He then shows a collection of Nazi memorabilia that has been modified to smoke hookah and weed. Later at the party, Rodrigo and Alex have revealed their feelings for one another and are making out. Rod Rodrigo, a bit later, finds the trailed pills, which are his painkillers. The lights go out, and as everyone is running out, they pass the mass killer who is wearing Rodrigo's face, coming towards him. After hiding in the closet and escaping through the vent, Rodrigo is confronted by the killer who tases him, throws him into the fountain, and then shoves the pill bottle into his mouth before cutting his throat. School is closed through the month of October and finally reopens. The friends still suspect it's Ollie who's the killer. That day he shows up, picks up McConaughey, and takes her to a cornfield. While he is on the phone, she finds a gun in his glove box. Ollie calls McConaughey by her real name, revealing that he knows what happened to her. She leaves Ollie in the field and finds a different ride for home. Once there, she locks and blocks the door, grabbing a knife for protection. Later, when she awakens, the door is open and her knife is gone. Her phone plays a court testimony and the walls are covered in pictures of burn victims and the newspaper article headlines. The killer breaks in and attacks McConaughey, tasing her and then begins to spread lighter fluid all over the room and on her. She is able to knock over the attacker who runs away when their mask falls off. Then the news is sent out to her classmate of years ago. During a varsity hazing event, McConaughey pushed a girl Jasmine into a fire during a drunken argument. That's how she came to move in with her grandma and attend Osborne High. After the hospital, Ollie is in custody but released. He shows up to the school, which McConaughey runs inside, where she finds Caleb. Caleb is then stabbed and Ollie runs to her from behind, suggesting his innocence. That night, there is a corn maze event being run by Zach's father. A fire is lit, engulfing the field in flames. McConaughey, Darby, and Ollie head there. On the way, they call Zach, who answers in a panic, just saying, gotta find Dad, before hanging up. They arrive to the fire and clear a path by driving a car through the smoke, hearing screams and seeing bodies of people lost in the maze. They exit the vehicle, where Darby and Alex separate from the other two to help get people out of the fire. Ollie and McConaughey find Zach's dad, talking to the killer before being impaled in the head. Zach takes off the mask in frustration, telling them that they ruined the moment. He stabs Ollie after calling Zach a sociopath. He tells McConaughey that she has no idea who he is or even who she is, Quote, you're all wearing masks, putting on fake faces, we're all hypocrites. I'm showing these people who they really are. He also reveals that he's going to pin all the murders on McConaughey and say that he killed her in self-defense. Ollie is still alive, distracting Zack, but missing with the taser, as McConaughey runs up and stabs him with a knife. She tells him that she doesn't have to wear a mask to show him who he is, and stabs him again. We get the typical high school is coming to an end, about to go off to college, with lessons learned speech, and the film ends there. So fun fact, apparently the novel goes a lot more detail into Ollie and McConaughey's relationship situation than the movie did. I actually came across the book in a store and read the quote, equal parts horror and steamy romance. So thank goodness the movie didn't take it that far. I thought this was a nice modern day slasher. The kills were explicit and personally creative for each victim. I dug the victim mask concept, the character's revealed secrets angle reminded me of I Know What You Did Last Summer, but that is a common trope in slasher films where there, there's being some sort of revenge usually driving the killer. I didn't care much for any of the characters or what happened to them, aside from maybe Caleb, who didn't do anything wrong, he just joined the friend group and then he was just a misfire, essentially, being killed without a punishable secret. One thing I want to note, and I'm 100% sure that I'm going to bring it up in future episodes, but so many of these newer teen horror movies really glorify one or most of the characters being wealthy, and they'll give them some odd hobby or whatever that normal people don't have to drive into an attempt of character development. 
In this case, it was Zack with his huge party and Nazi weed products. We have the pretty main character who has a dark past, and one of her biggest problems is that she doesn't want her friends to know the guy that she has feelings for. Silly side plots in my opinion, but I understand. It is to make for some diverse character backstory, and also it's being adapted from a book where those characters might have read better. I'd give this film a 3 out of 5. It's a well done slasher in my opinion, but with 2D characters and a mystery to keep you watching. That's all for today's discussion of There's Someone Inside Your House. Send me a message and follow me on Instagram at, at HorrorIsHome and like the Horror Is Home Facebook page. I'm hoping to get friends as guests on here soon to discuss movies and we'll make longer episodes. If you're interested, maybe send me a message and we can try to figure something out. I'm your host, Tyler, and until next time, thanks for listening. Horror is home.